Hello, and welcome to Beautifully Awkward, a podcast about embracing the beautifully awkward moments of life, hosted by yours truly. On this episode, I got an opportunity to sit down with Jessica Barclay, an up-and-coming 2020 Galaxy Pageant contestant. She not only talks about the awkward moments of entering pageantry, such as when she had a dress that was a little too short or the wrong shoes, but also talks about her journey through developing a goal challenging herself and then reaching that goal one step at a time. She entered pageantry at 27 years of age, a little later than most people start to do such a thing, and she has developed her own character, who she is as a person, and talks about that journey through this episode. So listen in as we discuss how to find happiness, challenging yourself, and really developing who you are through the awkward moments of life. All right, so we'll get started. So we'll just jump in and um, Jessica, if you would just kind of introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about how you got into podcasting. Well, hello. So I, I have two podcasts um, and the, I guess it's more my love, my passion one. It's my personal passion one, which is the one we're going to focus on today is currently called Mummy is Doing a Beauty Pageant podcast. Um, I will delve into the currently bit in a minute. Uh, but actually, I, I first stumbled upon beauty pageants when I was 27. And I'd actually aged what we refer to as aged out of a lot of systems. And I found this amazing system called Galaxy, which has a UK final. And then you go to America and there is an American final as well. Um, and it's getting bigger in quite a few countries, quite a lot of Uh, European countries now have their own finals and Australia is quite popular in Australia as well. Um, So it's, it's building as a bigger, a bigger pageant like Miss World and Miss International and um, Miss uh, Miss Universe is the, is the big one that everyone seems to know. If they've never heard anything of pageantry, most people have heard of Miss Universe and Mm -hmm. coming to it, one coming to it late Um, coming to it at 27 a lot of people start in their teens and then might still be doing it when they're 27 but coming to it at 27 was quite late and also within the UK finding advice um, and knowing really what to do in the UK was quite tricky and when I competed previously I did my first competition in 2015 so I've been got involved in 2014 first competition 2015 so five years I've been in the industry I had a blog uh, called The Beauty Queen Diaries and I would get guest bloggers and I'd write blogs and sort of sharing things as I was learning them because I was struggling to find that kind of information. Pageantry in the UK is in many ways very different but also very similar and it's just sort of checking that you're doing the right thing and worrying your outfits aren't right and knowing what appearances are and things. I then, in 2017, I had my daughter and took a couple of years off pageantry and I've come back to it um, to compete in 2020. And I did not want to do the blog anymore, but I wanted to continue that content. Doing a blog was taking me like four hours from concept, writing it down and editing it and getting it up. Whereas podcasts, I come up with topics all the time, which I was doing with the blog, but then to actually create it, I'm bashing them out in like 20, 30 minutes sometimes, maybe 20, 30 minutes to create all the promo and it's done and it's up. And it's the point where I was doing a blog maybe every three weeks on a good, on a good stint. I'm getting out two or three podcasts a week and be able to 
provide much more of a service and much, much faster. And the thing with podcasting is I do a podcast with my work as well. So it's actually my second podcast. And so I've learned a lot of the skills already. Whereas when you start a podcast for the first time, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of mistakes. I've already made a lot of those mistakes. Not all of them, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of them I made with my, with my first podcast and I've been able to learn and evolve. I've got a lot of friends that do podcasting and YouTube channels and I'm in that kind of community already. So I've got the people to go to for advice and I know how to create the infographics and stuff like that. So it's not been too steep a learning curve with the one exception of the name of my podcast. <laughs> that was, I was a victim of too much knowledge when it came to naming my podcast. I, as I said, I've got a lot of friends that have podcasts and YouTube channels and in that environment and again with blogs and stuff, everyone is like, be very niche, be very specific who's your target audience, like narrow it down loads and loads and loads because there's so many podcasts out there and narrow it down um, so that you can reach a, a good concentration of people. So I went for Mummy is doing a beauty pageant. That's really niche. It's mums, it's beauty pageantry. But the actual content is pretty applicable to anyone in pageantry, not even just UK, but pretty much anyone in pageantry. And I tried to like be pro promote that. And I'd send it to friends who weren't mums and I'd be like, I know it says mummy in the title, but you'd still, I still think you'd get so much out of this. And I was sharing it in groups saying, don't worry if you're not a mum, you'll still get loads out of this. And then I was going back to friends and they were like, oh no, I thought it was for just mums. I haven't listened. And I was like, you've just asked me four questions that I've answered in the last podcast, like in our conversation. Like, why are you not listening to my podcast? Oh, I thought it was just for mums. So I'm currently, I nearly finished the website of the new pageant podcast that I'm that's going to be it's the funny thing is the content's not going to change it's the exact same content but I've picked hopefully a name that will connect with people more because there's only maybe half a dozen pageant based podcasts out there and there isn't a single one in the UK well apart from me and um, so I was kind of like I was already really niche and I just made this mistake of trying to feeling like I needed to be more niche but actually I've kind of struck gold because no one's really doing uh, well no one in the UK is doing this yet um, that's awesome that you're jumping right in and so kind of backpedaling a bit like what started you or what got you interested in doing pageantry at 27 what kind of sparked that so I had just within like a week come back from doing a cycle challenge in Madagascar um, I'd spent a week cycling in 40 degree heat on very very big hills they'd called it hilly it was like mountainous um, and I had done that as part of a, two reasons, part of a fitness journey. I'd been very, in a very dark place in 2013, health-wise, mentally, what I was doing with my life, everything kind of sucked, is the best summary, really, of my life. And I wasn't being a very nice person because I was so miserable and part of that. And my mum then got sick and it really sparked a thing in me of what am I doing with my life, what am I doing with my health, and I changed everything. I changed careers, I moved counties, I got divorced, I had um, a husband at the time with and three stepkids and I left all of that behind um, and I lost a lot of weight. I went from a size UK 16 down to a six and a big part of being able to keep the motivation going was that I had this cycle challenge. So I got back from it and I kind of went, oh pants, I haven't got that motivation anymore like I still wanted to stay healthy and I was loving the way I was looking and feeling and energy and and I was like but I knew myself enough to be like I need I need another 
goal, be it like some people can just have a holiday and know that that's enough to spur them on to stay in the shape that they want to stay in. And I was like, I didn't have anything like that coming up. I couldn't afford the time and money to commit to doing um, another cycle challenge because it's a lot of fundraising and things like that as well and time away. And I sort of started having a little Google. I was qualifying to be a a personal trainer and, and I looked at fitness competitions, but they are like psychotic when it comes to your food. And I love food. I did not want to be like 12% body fat and shredded like that. Didn't want to do that. And it sort of ended up tripping from that into pageantry. Uh, and I didn't know if, I didn't know pageantry was a big thing in the UK. I knew the big ones. I knew Miss World. I knew Miss Universe. And I was too old. I was too old to do all of them already. And so I was just kind of, I think I was sort of Googling pageants when you're older, pageant when you're over 25, because a lot of them finish at 25, pageant when you're married, pageant when you're divorced, things like that. And Galaxy popped up. And Galaxy was the first one to, from the beginning, it was, you could have a kid. You can be unmarried and have a kid. You can be married. You can be divorced. You can be single and old. You can be, there was a category for everyone. They weren't like, oh, once you're 25 or once you've had a baby or once you've got married, there's no place for you here. There's like, there is a place for you here if you are passionate enough to enter. And, and they also supported all body types. So you didn't need to be a specific twig. You didn't need to be big curve because there are some pageants that are specifically for curvy, curvier girls. Um, it was an all body type system and that really appealed. So I kind of just sort of, oh, I'll rock up and do it. In so many ways, it was awesome but it was also a complete disaster in so many ways. <laughs> I, I just, I did not know what I was getting myself into. And if you've not um, looked at or been involved in the pageantry industry, or you don't have a friend that's ever done it, it is not what you presume it to be at all. What you see on stage is like the swan at the end. You miss the, the vigorous paddling underneath the water. You miss the charity work and the appearances and the community work and they're having a platform and a goal and what do you want to do with the crown and title when you win and all the preparation that goes into finding the right outfits not just for the pageant system because different systems have different like can be high glitz or natural and that will depend on what kind of costumes you're meant to have but the costumes should also represent you and what works best for your body type and your personality and what can you walk in and if you've got great legs show your legs or if you're more confident with your shoulders show your shoulders all those kind of things like there's a lot to think about when it comes to picking the right outfits I knew none of this and I I looked at pictures of other contestants outfits and I'm like yeah that's nice that's nice I've got this dress that will kind of do for that bit the one stipulation with evening gown is that it's a floor length dress. I borrowed a dress from a friend who is a foot shorter than me. <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't fit. And you can win in a really cheap dress if you get it fitted properly. Um, right. But this is, no, there was no, this dress did not fit, did not fit around like the bus properly or the back properly or the length certainly wasn't right. Like it was, it was kind of hilarious. Like the swimwear didn't, was no, not flattering at all. But I wasn't, I think at that point, I wasn't, I was only a couple of years into my sort of body transformation. I wasn't used to the new body I had. I hadn't experimented enough with clothes to know what it is. I didn't know about the charity or the community work at all, really. Like it was sort of mentioned in the, um, in the information pack. And 
I recently actually did an interview with the director, the UK director of Galaxy, talking about appearances and what do appearances actually mean and how much do they matter and things in pageantry and what they bring to the pageantry industry. And I would say I wish I'd asked those questions when I first competed because I sort of rocked up with some scrappy bit of paper with one appearance on it. Um, and appearances can be you running charity events, uh, going to other people's charity events, going to other people's community events. Maybe you're speaking. I do a lot of public speaking now. So I volunteer and I speak for free for events that I think will be beneficial um, to either the community or like mums starting businesses, stuff like that. I'll volunteer for free as, as an appearance. Um, didn't know any of this. So sort of rocked up to my first pageant, ill-prepared. Uh, I thought interview I'd ace and actually it was probably my worst because you only get three minutes and you might be able to tell I like talking trying to get all my <laughs> thoughts into three minutes was a struggle like it was hideous and so I, I was a, there was a lot of personality the first time I competed but there was definitely no like content and um, there was no plan for what I do with the title I just kind of wanted to compete um so sort of as embarrassing as it was to do quite so, like my hair was a mess, like everything, every element you can imagine I got wrong. I could get wrong, I got wrong. It was, it was just, oh yeah, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and so you mentioned about the dress, uh, was there, and you had also said before that there was just a lot of awkward moments in that, that first kind of swing at it. Um, what else did you experience, if anything else? I mean, I think that probably was, difficult to maneuver through but what else uh, was happening during that time or, or how did you make it through all of that so I I rocked up to the first I think I got there the day get there for the first day so it used to be four finals nights um for the different age categories and during the day of your final you'll do rehearsals you learn a very simple dance routine and you do your interview during the day you meet all the other ladies you run through your walks on stage and um, my finals night was the last night. So the first night was the juniors and the teen, I want to say teen England and juniors, first night. And I like cried watching them because I'd been, we'd been in a Facebook group and I'd heard all these ladies talk about um, all the work and stuff that they were doing and things. You'd think that would have given me a clue and I would have done some work myself, but I guess I, I guess it just went above my head. I don't know how I missed it in hindsight. And um, so I watched the crowning on the first night and I just started crying. I was so emotional that this, this girl's dreams had come true. Um, she'd, some girls will work nearly 12 months. Um, most people are about six months in the run-up to a pageant in the UK. But some of these girls had been working for like 12 months or they'd competed for a few years trying to win this title. Like So much like blood, sweat and tears had gone into this and I'm sobbing at the table on my own. And the lady next to me said, oh, do you know that person? Do you, is, is that a friend of yours? And I said, no, I have no idea who she is. I just think it's so emotional. <laughs> and she's got her dreams have come true and it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, oh, dearie Lord. Uh, so embarrassing um but then I had the other days uh like sat in the the lounge at the hotel and sort of trying to catch up with the other girls and obviously I'd gone back and looked at my outfits and gone oh um these aren't quite right and sort of I had a few bits with me and I sort of played around trying to work out what was best to wear and and one of the big things that stood out was how big the shoes were now these are like stripper heel big shoes and particularly in the teens they love them and they can walk in them and they're used to walking in them 
I cannot walk in those kind of shoes. Um, but then I was going back to like my room and finding the biggest pair of heels I bought with me and being like, well, can I walk in these? And I practiced and practiced in my room. Um, I was like, no, it's not going to happen. So the shoes I ended up wearing were like a beach holiday sandal, but heeled. At least they had a heel, but they were still small and they didn't go with my outfits and they weren't appropriate for being on stage. And they stood out a mile as being inappropriate, like didn't work. Um, and also, yeah, they were massive, uh, were not these massive shoes that the girls had. I've now kind of gone full circle on that. And I've, I did compete the next year in the big shoes. Um, and then there's been a lot of talk within the pageant industry, UK and abroad, about the fact that you don't need to do the massive shoes. If you've got a really good walk, it doesn't matter how tall or short you are. You don't really don't need to do the big shoes. So I've actually ditched them again, but I've got a shoe that goes with my outfits and that is elegant and like makes my leg look longer and my foot look dainty and all the things you want the shoe to do. Um, but it, yeah, the shoe thing was really quite funny. And even the shoes I ended up wearing that first time, I couldn't really walk in properly and I hadn't practiced walking up and down steps. So you just don't think of those bits until you're in the industry. And they said my interview was just, so they do this three minutes and the timer is outside of the room. So you get taken from the room we're rehearsing in outside the room and the lady with the timer will knock when the three minutes from the previous person is up and you go in, they come out, you go in sit down and you get your three minutes. And I think they were desperate to get me out of there because it was just, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what they said. I probably, I probably managed my name correctly, but the rest <laughs> of it was me trying to be what I thought they wanted a pageant girl to be. Be, but bumbling through it and getting nowhere and producing nothing of any value whatsoever um, <laughs> and as soon as the knock was on the door they were like well bye then um, and then you fast forward a year to when I'd worked with a coach and had a better idea of what I was doing and I still made a lot of mistakes the second time but it wasn't a disaster I placed top 10 out of 70 ladies the second time I could um, whereas the first time I just no, I just phased into the background when they called the sort of top 15 and top 10 and stuff because I was like, no, this was really fun. I loved it. And you can, that's the great thing about pageantry is you can be an absolute disaster and still get so much from it and have so much fun. And people are like, oh, it's, oh, it's really hard pageantry because there's only one winner. But actually, if you've got the right attitude, you never walk off that stage as a loser. If you've learned something and gained something from it, maybe you've progressed in your pageantry skills or maybe you've gained confidence or um, learn how to dress properly. I, I really think pageantry has helped me to learn how to dress properly in everyday life. Um, as long as you take something like that from pageantry, and I did a podcast episode about um, this recently, about you've got to have a goal beyond wanting to win. And um, my first pageant was all personality and no content. And my second one was a lot of content, but it lost my personality. Um, I sort of maybe got a bit overcoached and, and over perfectionism and lost a bit of me. And so my goal for the next one is to try and combine the two and have an, um, a more relaxed balance between the two. I am gunning to win and I'm working my butt off for it in every area. Um, and it's a lot of hard work. But if I don't win, as long as I've achieved the other goal, then it's fine. Um, and I'm sure there's more things I will learn. And if I don't win, it's again, it's not meant to be my year. And I'll be an even better title holder when I do finally win. Because um, I've now decided I'm just going to keep going until they finally go, we need to give her the crown because she's never going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I really love that, what you just said, because it's so much 
of what in my creating my podcast and I think just in life in general is the idea that you evolve over time and like you said you may at times be focused on content and lose your personality but then you try to find that balance at some point and that's a lot of what the conversations I've had with individuals is about finding that balance and being okay with not winning or not not quite getting to your goal but still going forward versus that inhibiting you from doing the things that you love or doing the things that make you who you are. So I really love how that parallels, even though this is an area that I have no knowledge base. And so it's so interesting to hear about it from your perspective. And, and I'm definitely know I'll be cheering for you from over here, uh, overseas, hoping that, you know, all goes well in, in the year to come. Yeah. I mean, it's can't think of the, there's some exact quote about you should never have a goal that's not within your capabilities, which I can't, uh, with, um, not within your it's not capabilities isn't the word I'm looking for, control, not within your control. But I kind of like, oh, I, don't, I don't completely agree with that because you just keep coming back and you keep trying and maybe actually you're better not achieving it, um, but keeping to keep trying as opposed to if you didn't ever try, it would kill you at not. But if you pair that goal that's out of your control with a goal that is within your control each time, then you're never going to lose. So for me with the pageant, I can't control who wins. I can put in loads of effort, but on the day there might be a girl that performs better. Nerves might get the better of me. There might be someone with a better platform. So um, in pageantry, your platform would be maybe a charity or a concept that you want to promote. So my platform is helping women achieve their goals. Um, and then I have a, a project that I want to run it, once I win the title. So a project that I want to run with that title that helps spread that message and help more women achieve their goals. I want to set up a free online course to help women learn how to take a dream, turn it into a goal, break it down into a plan, and then learn how to manage their time and teach other essential skills for achieving your goal. Uh, so things like surrounding yourself with positive people, how do you find a mentor, um, how do you do your time management, how do you set deadlines, the course is going to be broken into all those sections. And that's what I want to do with my title is it gives you a bigger platform, it gives you like a megaphone to your voice having a title to go off and do that, that thing. That's my platform. So maybe I don't win because someone has a better platform or a platform that they can articulate better or that connects with the judges better. Like that's not, that's not in my control. I know where my skill set lies and what I'm passionate about. And that's why I've created my platform. But maybe there is someone there whose platform speaks better at the moment. Like I, I'd hold my hands up if someone comes in with a really good like environmental platform, particularly at the moment when we look at like sort of the state of the environment and the issues that we're having with plastics and things like that. If a contestant comes in with a really good eco-friendly platform, I want to give her the crown at the moment anyway, but my skill set doesn't lie with helping with that issue. So what I can deliver best and that's not within my control. I can't put the crown on my own head. But if I pair that with something that is in my control, it's totally within my control to make sure I deliver a balanced performance and that I make sure I have content and personality. If I don't achieve that, the only person whose fault it is is my own. And so that's why I think it's really, if you, if you are feeling that you've got this, this goal and this dream that isn't within your control, make sure you're pairing it with something that you can control. And then you never fail, you never lose. 
Absolutely. And I think that the, you know, again, if you're doing what you love and it's a passion of yours or it invokes a lot for you, then you can take that and either make it a career or make it something that you do. And at the end of the day, you're still winning, even if you're not maybe getting the crown, if you will, if you're kind of using that, that yeah. mentality, but you're still accomplishing so much. And I think that's just, again, so much can be said to you. I'm just so encouraged by everything that you're doing, but also hopefully people who are listening to this are thinking, okay, what are my goals or what are the things that I want to do? And then going for it, because uh, that's another piece of what I try to do is encourage people to do what works for them and to try different things. Have you heard of Gretchen Rubin? Yeah. So um, she uh, wrote The Happiness Project and um, she came up with a formula for happiness. And I can never remember the first bit of the formula, but the second bit of the formula is within an atmosphere of growth. And it's obviously, there's obviously a reason I forget the first bit, because this bit is the bit that connects with me most in an atmosphere of growth. And it's the fact that if we're not in an atmosphere of growth, we will never truly be happy. I love that because that yeah that was me when i was when i was got to my dark place in 2013 as i refer to it my dark place it wasn't um there was no growth within my life anymore and whenever i had moments of growth like um i set up a business i had like this amazing surge of happiness but as soon as i'd completed the setup and it wasn't growing anymore that i lost that happiness until i set the next business up um, and the problem is i'd got to a point where i'd set up what was meant to be the forever business and i hadn't spotted that within myself i need this constant growth or that according to gretchen we all need this constant growth for happiness and that's where i think once you've achieved certain milestones in your life and people say, oh, well, then you're never happy. And it's like, well, no, growth can be, it's a journey of happiness. It's not once you achieve each level of growth, you're happy. It's, it's the journey of growth that keeps you happy. So it's finding the next goal. Like I, I have every morning I write down my goals as if they've happened. And some of those are continuing things that I want to be an amazing wife and mother I am a mum but we're not married yet so I've got to actually achieve the wife status in that goal and then continue to be awesome um and uh that I have an amazing relationship with God so that's a constant like learning process and things as well it's always staying connected with God and 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 having those conversations with him in prayer and things like that that's a continuing goal that will never end um you can't even relationships as God. If you don't nurture them, they're going to fade. So um, that's always going to be going. But then we've got like the Galaxy one is I want to represent the UK at the Galaxy International Finals. That's my very specific Galaxy pageantry goal. And because my heart is rooted in Galaxy, a lot of people would then go on and compete in other pageant systems. That's not for me. And I know in my heart that's not for me. But my next, I kind of know that then I'll want to go into judging. And I've got, I'll have the podcast. So I'll probably try and keep the podcast going as a big brand. Within the pageantry industry, I have those aspects that will continue to be my, my pageantry goals. And that will continue to be my growth and my happiness. Um, it's, yeah, I just find that a really profound statement one day I will remember the whole quote but it's that last bit that really gets me is that within an atmosphere of growth other work we can't we can't be happy within an atmosphere of growth I strongly agree with that because I think that at the end of the day if you're not growing then you're either stunted or you're stuck or you know something's happening 
And I think for a lot of people, that's what they're trying to achieve is maybe not, they haven't articulated that for themselves or kind of fully thought it through, but that growth and that being able to develop in and evolve is really something that we're all trying to achieve on some level, regardless of the phase of life that you're in. And so you have definitely grasped that and, and are using that as motivation and as so much as you continue on in your pageantry. It impacts every area of my life. I've, I'm not going to say that pageantry changed my life, but it is definitely part of that journey. Um, it's been a, an industry where I've practiced skills that I've learned elsewhere that I've been learning and growing on this journey from from the darkness of 2013. Um, when my mom passed away, they were my support system. They, the women you meet in pageantry, whatever country you end up in, seem to just be fabulous. They're just these wonderful women, these caring, inspiring women, are, are drawn to each other. It's, it really is a community of amazing people. Um, if you're struggling with, there's so many women that have joined it because they were struggling with self esteem or they'd been bullied. And time and time again, I meet these amazing women that came from dark or dire situations they came out of abusive relationships and needed to find themselves again and they thought hey I'll just join a beauty pageant and see how that goes um these women have amazing stories and it's just so inspiring to surround yourself with that I just love it well we're almost out of time but I just want to take a moment again to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with me and talk about your experiences. Again, I wish you the very best for the upcoming year and all that you do. And I hope that our paths will cross at some point um, because I'm so excited to hear and listen in um, in your podcast and see where you go next. Yeah, very exciting. Would you like to be the first one to hear the new pageant, uh, the new pageant podcast name? Yes. Can you handle the excitement of that? Can you handle? I I think I can. I was, I actually was going to ask you earlier because I was wondering, I'm thinking, well, what is the new name? So yes, we'll we'll drop it now and then it will uh, probably launch and and forever go in the the magical world. So when, yeah. whenever you go to a pageant, whether you're a contestant or you're going to watch it or you're a hair and makeup artist, whatever you're going into the, whatever hotel or venue is hosting the pageant, it's referred to as going to pageant land. You'd be like, oh, I'm all packed and I'm off to pageant land or at the end of the weekend, you'd be like, I don't want to leave pageant land. It's not a specific place, but it's wherever a pageant is happening. So I've decided to call it the pageant land podcast. Oh, I love it. That's what it says (laughs) on the tin. Um, It's much less confusing, but I've like the new branding was finished today, which is really exciting. I will hopefully finish the last bit of the website. I've just got a couple of some ladies have submitted pictures and I've just got to now select which of the ladies have made it on to be the photos that appear on the website. But other than that, the content is done. All the links are correct. All those bits and pieces. It's kind of ready to go and um, so I'm just waiting to finish I plan to finish my current series episode 25 and then when when the second season starts it'll start with the new with its new title of pageant man podcast well I definitely know I will be listening in hopefully others will as well and again keep us posted and let us know I'm sure as you go through this process and how 2020 turns out for you in the pageant land podcast yeah well Hopefully I'll be on a plane to America by July, but we'll see.